Welcome back, everybody. That wasn't bad. It's Monday. Dom, the start of a brand new week. Yep. How are we feeling? Emotional. Yeah, that's a good um, way to put it. I'm just going to be honest here with the people. We're going to get into this way more, but if you if you don't know by now, Habib Nurmagomedov retired Saturday night. And come this Saturday night, my favorite fighter of all time, Anderson Silva, is going to be retiring. So I'm in a puddle of tears all week. Yeah. Anyway, how are you? I lost my voice. Um, these fights yesterday and other, other things activities. Um, have made me lose my voice, kind of. I think it's not all right. It's not bad. A little raspy. Yeah, it kind of adds some uh, some flavor. <laughs> some character. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, I, I was a game-time decision today for this podcast. I had to really earn this voice back a little bit. But besides that, feeling good. Amazing card we got to watch yesterday, uh, Saturday night. or Saturday. <laughs> Saturday. <laughs> yeah, literally. Um, but yeah, we're going to get into more of that later. Today, obviously, we're recapping and re- reviewing the main card and anything else that stuck out to us about UFC 254. We're also going to get into a few little news stories that are going around for the week. And at the end, we'll just preview the next couple episodes, and that'll be that. But, you know what we start with, Dom. Fire off. It's time for the news. Oh. <clears throat> the news. <laughs> so we start with probably the, the biggest story of the of this episode is going to be our one fight announcement here. Yeah, life comes at you fast with this one. <laughs> yeah, um, so much to get into here. Our main event is set for our December 19th card. Um, this is a week after UFC 256. Yes. Um, it is Leon Edwards, the guy we've been waiting for to book a fight. Um, he is back at number three in the welterweight rankings. And the reason he's back is because... He accepted the fight with Hamzat Chimaev. Uh, did they lowball him? Blue ball him? One of the balls? I don't know. There's some sort of saying out there. I, I don't know. It, it feels a little, uh, I don't know, manipulative. It's just odd that, you know, one day he was completely removed from the rankings and it was all the talk of the MMA community. Right. The next day, <clears throat> he's right back in the rankings and he's main eventing a fight guard with Hamzat. And, uh, yeah, so here we are. Life comes at you pretty fast. Yes. Because when we spoke about this on Friday, he had just been removed. Yes. And then he called out Hamzat on Twitter. He was like, screw that, I'm still ranked. Yes. He's like, Hamzat, let's fight. Which was very odd. Yes, considering he didn't want to fight anyone that was not ranked. Or even outside of the top three. Wonderboy (laughs) Thompson, so... um, Kind of weird for him to do a little bit of a 180, but yet double down at the same time. I don't know. But I guess he was right, because he took the fight, and now he's back at number three. Yeah. So I'm curious, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Uh, I kind of really got aggravated Saturday when we talked about it. I've since simmered, but I'm still just <clears throat> a little... Yeah. Uh, Hamzat's awesome. We know that. Yeah. He's not even yeah. being been like touched. And three fights in the UFC so far. He has all the talent in the world. 26 years old, a lot of hype around him, so I'm completely fine with him uh, getting a main event slot and fighting a ranked opponent. But I'm not big on the idea of him jumping the entire welterweight division that's full of straight savages. I mean, it's one of the most stacked divisions in the sport, and he jumped every one of them. He's going to fight number three, Leon Edwards, and if he wins title shot question mark Uh, Um, I think that's pretty realistic I'm all for pushing prospects but I think there's a limit Uh, even as we've seen with Sean O'Malley they pushed him just against a not even ranked at the time Cheeto Vera and we saw what happened there I mean Uh, Edmund Shabazian undefeated fought Derek Brunson veteran lost to him I don't want to see the same thing happen with Hamzat although I will say Hamzat shows a lot more promise well, I than the think other with two. both of those cases you just mentioned, I don't feel like they were being pushed too soon. I thought they were pretty good matchups for where they were. O'Malley uh, was 15, fighting unranked Cheeto Vera, lost, so then they swapped spaces. Shabazzian was ranked right outside the top 10, if not right at number 10, 
goes up against number eight, Derek Brunson. I mean, it's at some point, you know, you got to be able to, these prospects have to deliver. Um, I will say this Hamzat case is much different because you have an unranked guy who's fought three times in the UFC. Has looked dominant, but his uh, what the combined record in the UFC for his three the three guys he's went up against is um, below 500. Yeah. And now he's going up against the number three ranked Leon Edwards. It's very unprecedented, I'll admit that. But I, for one, am not too upset about this. I... Leon is, um, you know, he had he wouldn't take the Wonder Boy fight. He's been adamant about wanting someone ahead of him, which, I mean, I, I understand why the eight fight win streak, what have you, but it's it, they're all taken. Kamaru's fighting Gilbert for the belt at some point. Masvidal and Colby are supposedly going to be fighting at some point, so Leon's the odd man out there. I'm not saying he should fight Hamzad. I thought he should have fought Wonder Boy. But he basically refused to do so. That's why he got removed in the first place, because he's just not been taking fights. And now look where he's at. He's stuck fighting the biggest prospect maybe the UFC's ever had. <laughs> so I like the matchup for Leon as well as Hamzat. Um, if Hamzat loses, I, I get that it kind of it definitely people will be talking a lot of shit, saying you pushed him too soon. Not saying that won't be accurate. Depends on how the fight goes, how close it is, what have you. But for Leon, if he wins this, this would be the biggest win of his career. Even though he's fought and beaten guys like Cowboy Cerrone, uh, uh, RDA, former Nelson. Yeah, so I mean, he's fought guys that were more accredited. But Hamzat, with the hype he has, this would be a huge statement for Edwards and would actually boost his name value if you really want to talk about him getting a title shot. I like it. Uh, I, I know it's dangerous for him, but it honestly, he's kind of stuck. Even though he's ranked third, he's kind of stuck in a tough spot. So Hamza gets his opportunity to prove that he's already like one of the best in the division, which would be just insane, considering six months ago we didn't know who this guy was. And for Leon, gets a big opportunity to make a name for himself which is kind of weird because he's the one that's got the ranking but it's the way it goes sometimes so I, I like it um, oh that, if I'm Leon here I'm trying to come in with like the biggest chip on my shoulder oh, yeah. um, I think you're trying to shut up a lot of critics a lot of media you're trying to shut up the UFC you're trying to spoil their party with Hamzat we've seen they're trying to double book Hamzat booking him with um, Mir Shart and then Damian Maia yeah. obviously that didn't happen so there's just a lot of factors here but Hamzat what we've seen he nearly looks unbeatable granted his competition is nowhere near what Leon Edwards is it's very interesting and I guess if you're the UFC and Hamzat were to lose he is the number three ranked guy so it's not a bad loss but then it's like oh you did push him too hard like you mentioned but the damn guy fights at every weight class, so you can still go up in middleweight <laughs> and fight a top ten there. It's yeah. just, it's weird. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think a better example of what you were talking about earlier about being pushed too soon would be like uh, Corey Anderson against Johnny Walker, where Johnny had literally gotten the hype of being looked at as the guy who could beat John Jones, and then Corey Anderson starched them. Corey came into that fight, big chip on his shoulder, afterwards demanded a title fight, didn't get it, got a number one contender fight with Jan Blahovich, got knocked out, now he's at Bellator. I think you're going to see a similar situation here with Leon Edwards. If Leon comes in and starches Hamzat, I think he's going to demand a title shot. Probably won't get it. No. It'll be Colby Mosby-Dahl winner. Yeah. And then he might be put in some sort of number one contender fight, and if he loses that, he might be on his way out here soon. So I don't know. I don't. I don't want to be too pessimistic because um, I don't dislike Leon. It's just sometimes he's making it. He, it's just a very weird situation, and he's kind of made it harder to root for him at times. But yet, um, the, I will say that removing his ranking and then giving it back just because he kind of caved comes off like. UFC playing hardball and um, hardball. Yeah. That's what I was looking for earlier. <laughs> um, I just don't know. It, it just comes off a little, uh, a little shady, I guess. But um, 
Apparently that's the fight game. <laughs> and as of now, that will be the last UFC fight in 2020. Oh, really? They won't be doing one? Uh... As of now, there's no December 26th card. Okay. So that it, that I'm assuming that's going to be the main event because they've been talking about giving Rams <clears throat> out a main event. Right. So that could be the very last fight we see this year. I'd love another fight night to be yeah, added on, I, but anyway. We'll, we'll see when that time comes, I guess, or if we get an announcement for... Yeah. But, yeah, uh, just some other news across across the landscape of MMA. Um, former UFC heavyweight, uh, one of the pioneers of the heavyweight division, Frank Mir, had that classic rivalry with Brock Lesnar back in the day. His daughter, Bella Mir. At 17 years old, competed in her professional MMA debut at Icon 2, and she won. She did. Yeah. How was her, did she win by decision? It was a 29-28 across the board, unanimous decision. It was a 137-pound catchweight fight. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to assume she's kind of a bantamweight body type, I'd have to imagine. Yeah. not a lot to say here because it was her pro debut, but the fact that it's Frank Mir's daughter, she's been getting a lot of like media and hype around her. Yep. Being 17 years old and making your debut is kind of insane, but I'm pretty sure Frank Mir did like the same exact thing. <laughs> yep. So she's following right along with her daddy's footsteps, and if she's going to follow those footsteps, that may mean a title well, way down the line. <laughs> you know what's funny is uh, Frank is still competing. He's at bare knuckle still. Oh, boy. So, uh, <laughs> it's just oh, weird boy. that you got, I mean, I know bare knuckles kind of this weird, you know, it's not MMA technically, it's, it's own thing, but, um, just interesting to see that you still got Frank Mir competing at a very high level, and then you got his daughter just starting her career, so you don't see that too often where you got a father or son or father, daughter, mother, son, mother, daughter, whatever, uh, competing at the same time. And a very grapple-heavy fight uh, for her, which doesn't come off as a surprise either, no. considering the uh, expertise yeah. that Frank Mir has. Really one of the best submission artists we've ever seen yeah. in, at the heavyweight division, no, for uh, sure. spe- uh, especially. So, we just had to mention it. Yeah. You look out for because if she keeps going, you know, we, the ties of the UFC, Frank Mir being a champ, she could be there one day. Yeah, so. or Bellator or something yeah. like that, because he's also fought there a few times. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, Jeremy Stevens. Uh, he is out of his fight with Arnold Allen. And we were November just all 7th. excited about this. Yeah, and you know it it sucks, but um, I'm curious if Arnold Allen will get a replacement or if uh, they'll just rebook this fight maybe for December. You said it was due to injury. Yeah, I don't know. What I'm not sure the was. specific injury. So he might be out for a while. So Arnold Allen might be needing a replacement. Which could get very interesting, depending on who the matchup is. And that was going to be on the Glover Teixeira and um, Tiago Santos. Santos, November 7th, fight night. So that's two <clears throat> weeks away. Probably not going to get a replacement. You never yeah. know. But hopefully it's not a serious injury for Jeremy, because uh, I'd like to see him get back in. And Arnold Allen, that was going to be the biggest name for him. <laughs> yeah, so really. I feel bad for him, too. Yeah, for sure. Our final story. Uh, this is more... It's not necessarily, like, wasn't a big deal when this individual said this Yeah, quote, just a little sound But like. it's something that I think we can elaborate on further and give our thoughts on. Uh, Michael Chandler was interviewed during the UFC 254 broadcast. He was not. Um, he was scheduled to be the replacement fighter in case Habib or Gaethje had to pull out of the card. Um, so he was there for the entire weekend or week, two weeks, whatever. Um, they interviewed him during the broadcast. He mentioned at some point that he pitched having a lightweight title tournament to kind of find the next champion with Habib retiring. Uh, he said himself, Conor McGregor, Dustin Poirier, and Tony Ferguson. A little four-man Grand Prix, as some say. The Bellator fellows over there like to do Grand yeah. Prix. We've um, got a Grand Prix coming up next yeah, month at um, Bellator. This won't happen, but it's interesting to talk about. However, he did suspiciously leave off uh, old Justin Gaethje, which does not uh, impress me very much. But what are your thoughts about Uh, I don't want to touch on it a bunch now because I think Wednesday we're going to really dig into the lightweight division. We'll talk about that later. But 
I'm not opposed to the thought of this. It seems like it's starting to pick up a little steam throughout the MMA community, but the UFC, as we know, is not big on these tournament-style things ever since back in the the uh, old days. Well, since Zufa took over, they've only done one, and that was for the flyweight title, and I've talked about that in detail, how it kind of blew up in their face because you had the fight in the first round as a four-man tournament to declare the first men's flyweight champion. Mighty Mouse was going up against Ian McCall. Uh, if the fight was a draw after three rounds, they were supposed to have a sudden death fourth round. Judges' scorecards are counted incorrectly. So it's supposed to be a majority draw. Ends up being declared a uh, split decision or whatever for Mighty Mouse. Or majority decision, I guess, is what it would have been. But it shouldn't have been. So then the fight had to be rebooked. Mighty Mouse gets a clear decision victory. But you never know what would have happened in that fourth round with him and McCall. We could be talking about Ian McCall as the first ever flyweight champion. So the UFC is not big on doing these tournaments. That being a reason. And I think because Bellator is pretty much the place that does that. I don't think they want to look. I don't think they want to like take something from a smaller promotion. So I don't see it happening. But they can do it. They can still kind of do that without... Call it like saying it's a tournament. Yeah, you they just can... book the fight. Yeah. yeah. Any other final thoughts on that? Well, like I said, Wednesday, I think we've got a good episode planned yeah. and we're going to really <clears throat> dig into that lightweight division, especially. Yeah. So. Agreed. Um, but not, not a lot of news today. That's the end of the news. The news. Now it's time to recap UFC 254. I'm going to go down the card, go through the. De- all the results, and then we'll talk more in depth about them. We started with Magomed Ankalaev versus Jan Kudaleva. Magomed getting a knockout win, four minutes and 19 seconds into the first round. Women's flyweight after that, Lauren Murphy getting a rear naked choke submission over Lilia Shakarova. <coughs> Excuse me. In the second round. Then at middleweight, Phil Halls. With a huge knockout win over Jacob Malkoon. 18 seconds into the first round. Alexander Volkov getting a, D- a TKO over Walt Harris in the second round. Due to some great body kick. Then our co-main Robert Whitaker getting a big unanimous decision win over Jared Cannonier, 29-28 on all three scorecards. And our main event, the Eagle Sword, Habib yes. Nurmagomedov. And what is... He declared his retirement fight, getting a triangle choke submission over Justin Gaethje in the second round. Um, what a night. Yes. It was one of the best main cards I've ever seen. Probably the best main card of 2020, for sure. Oh, for too. sure. If we're talking top to bottom, all six fights <clears throat> delivered in every facet. We had five finishes out of six fights. The only decision we got was a barn burner of a fight between Whitaker Cannonier. Yeah. 254 delivered in every way. And to finish out 2020 on Fight Island, you couldn't have had a better pay-per-view card. Yep. But we will start back at the bottom with Magomed Ankalaev and Jan Kudaleva. Dom, what were your thoughts on this fight? A stand-up battle, as anticipated this time, not as rowdy, which I also anticipated. Yeah. Um, but Magomed Ankalaev is for real. He yeah. is an absolute threat to this division. He's 14-1 and now. He has the longest active win streak at 205 pounds. It's five wins in a row. Four minutes and 19 seconds into round one. Clocks Kudaleva, uh, sent him down to the ground, and then put him to sleep with some ground and pound before the ref was able to step in. He's for real. He's a threat, and he needs top ten right now in his next fight. Uh, as I'm looking at the rankings here, we know that Anthony Smith just took a fight with Devin Clark. Magomed's ranked 11th right now. I'm kind of looking at your boy Johnny Walker, to be honest with you, at number nine, or even a guy like Nikita Krylov at number eight. Um, but without a doubt, Magomed needs a top ten. And if he were to get two more wins, especially if that's like a, you know an eight or a nine and then a four or five guy, we could be talking title shot here by the end of 2021 for Magomed. Yeah, I mean, these, these um, especially at this division – being that light heavyweight's kind of still up for grabs. Like, Jan had a very impressive performance, but 
you know, the boogeyman John Jones is, for now anyways, not uh, haunting the top of the division. So um, it kind of allows these guys some time to really make statements and really move into that title contention spot. Uh, he did look really sharp here against Kuleva. Kuleva, a guy who's been battle-tested, had fought some really tough guys in this division. And really, I mean, it was a calmer fight than the first one. Still a great fight, but it was more clear that Magomed just really dictated everything with this fight. It yeah. was all on the feet, but Kudaleva was not capable of cutting off uh, Magomed's movement. Um, so he kind of just turned into him, kind of chasing him down. And Magomed was very, very picky with his shots. He picked the right shots. He was able to land clean. And the knockout was pretty brutal. Uh, knocked him out cold and everything. So uh, it definitely finally closed the book on this little mini rivalry we had here. Yeah, there was no controversy yeah, in this one, that's no. for sure. So it's clear that he he is for real. And I like your proposed matchups. I think Johnny Walker makes a lot of sense. That would be a fun fight stylistically, too. Yeah. I completely agree. I I, I, I'm, I'm buying into him. I mean, he is another one of these Russian fighters that they, they seem to be taking over the sport right now. He's at number 11. He probably will move up. I don't know. I don't know if he will because he fought an unranked guy. But, um, yeah, I like both of those matchups, you said. Man, it's down the line. Him versus Jimmy Crute could be uh, – yeah, we just saw Jimmy Crute last week put on a very good performance. That would be a great fight down the line. I just, I like I, I love both those guys. Jimmy Twelve and one, Jimmy fourteen Crute, and one. Who's at thirteen now? I just wanted to point that out. That could but, be a future contender fight, or even hell, a title fight. Yeah, I don't want to see it yet because I think these guys still have time to both be at the top of the division, but um, they're on stay, a collision yeah, course. Keep that name, Magomed and Kalayev, in your in your brain. I know it's a hard name to remember. <laughs> But uh, I think you're going to be hearing about him for years to come. So with that, move to the second fight, Lauren Murphy versus Lilia Shakarova. This fight really didn't go how I thought it would. Um, I really thought this was going to be a, a drawn-out decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have Murphy winning, but I did not have her winning in as dominant a fashion as she did. Shakarova had nothing for her. No, not at all. Um I don't want to take anything away from Shakarova. It was her UFC debut, you know, coming in on short notice, fighting the number four rank, uh, or number five, I guess, now, because the, they've changed the division rankings with Andrade. But coming in fighting top five, you're on the main card at UFC 254, was put you know, under the bright lights in her debut. I can't take anything away from her, but she looked like she just wasn't ready for the bright lights. Lauren Murphy, however, getting her first ever pay-per-view appearance, looked like she was more than ready for the bright lights. Um, Shakirova is no slouch, by the way, just because it was her debut. She's very skilled. She was 8-1 and one coming into the fight. But Lauren absolutely controlled the whole fight. The octagon um, cut her off, cut the angles. She controlled the pace of the fight. She did whatever she wanted to do. Uh, inevitably gets the finish 3 minutes and 31 seconds into round 2 with a submission. It was Lauren Murphy's first <clears throat> submission victory of her career. And afterwards, she kind of sounded off. Um, a little bit. She let her thoughts be heard. Uh, in the post-fight interview in the Octagon Inn and the post-fight press conference, kind of taking a shit on the rankings, the people that make the rankings, uh, everybody she's fought in the UFC is a ranked opponent. And she, I mean, she justified her case. I get it. However, um, if you look at all those ranked fighters, their records, when you combine them, aren't the greatest. So I'm all in on Lauren Murphy wanting to get you know her dues, but she's still one away. Yeah. She's, it's not title fight yet. Yeah, um, you have to consider also that Valentina is fighting Jennifer Mayan next month. Yes. And likely the winner of that is going to be fighting Jessica Andrade. Yeah, rightfully so. Um, so for Lauren Murphy, I think a great matchup for her is number two ranked Caitlin Chukagian. Now, Chukagian did have some comments on her fight week because she just fought a week ago saying that she's kind of looking forward to starting a family. Um, she's taking it fight by fight, kind of looking like she's kind of got that one foot out the door mentality right now. But that's a former title challenger. You beat her, you're at number two, right behind Andrade. To me, I think she wins that, and she's right in line for a title shot. 
Yeah, I think um, if Caitlin were to not retire or whatever, that would be a good fight. I will say I'm leaning more toward the original booking for UFC 254, which is Lauren Murphy and Cynthia Calvillo, simply because that was just going to be a really good fight, I think. Yep. Cynthia's still unproven in the division, so for her it's a big fight to come in. She um, beat Jessica I in her debut at Flyweight. Then if she can take out Lauren Murphy, then she's right there for a title shot. If Lauren Murphy can beat Calvillo, that's a big name for her. That would be her fifth win in a row if she were to win her next fight. So then it's kind of hard to deny Lauren. So either way, but I think just because this was the original fight, I want to see her and Cynthia. Cynthia's 9-1 and one with uh, one draw. Lauren's 14-4. and four. Stylistically, it's really fun. Uh, Lauren has kind of the KO-TKO power. Cynthia's a really good grappler, but as we just saw with Lauren, she's no slouch on the ground. Right. Uh, it's a, there's challenges for both, and I think for both it's a very good fight to get him right next to uh, Andrade for the next title shot after her. So that's what I would go with. Cynthia was even talking some shit afterwards. Yeah. Cynthia's known to talk some trash here and there, so she's a character, and I think it would be a really fun fight, especially now that Lauren Murphy, she's not afraid to speak her mind either. Right. We could have some... Some bad blood, some yeah. trash talk here. Yeah. So Murphy, I'm all for Murphy it. Murphy really showing some personality here. Yeah, that we really hadn't seen from her too much. So and it's good for these divisions. Sometimes I'm not all for like all the crazy trash talk, like bad stuff. But if you're trying to get your name out there and prove yourself, fuck it. Yeah. And uh, this is a division that needs it, right? It's a division yeah. that deserves more respect. So build up personalities, build up. I don't want to say characters. I'm just going to stick with personalities. So. And Valentina needs challenges. We need fresh blood, so yeah. here we go. And Murphy doesn't have a ton of time left, I would say. She's already 37. Yeah, 37. Um, she looked good, though. Don't get me wrong. I mean, age... In MMA, a lot of times age really can be just a number. A lot of times it's more fight years rather than your actual age. Yeah, sometimes you don't hit your prime. Yeah. You I mean, know, it's, it's guy, not consistent. Compare someone like Randy Couture, who was still winning belts in his mid 40s yeah to a guy like Aldo who's 32 and we're questioning if he has anything left sometimes so yeah it it's truly a case by case so I, I don't take too much into age but it's definitely puts it in perspective of where they are you know if Murphy was 24 I'd be like damn like this girl might have a really bright future yeah. and, but you know right now she's got to really capitalize on what she has left and this status she has I will say with Shakarova, who was a primarily like power grappler, having that Chukagian matchup could really show me that Murphy is tested enough in different styles. Because mm-hmm. I think that, not that Calvillo and Shakarova are, are the same style necessarily, uh, it's just they're both more grapplers. While Chukagian's got that length, able to keep it on the feet kind of thing, and I think Murphy, that would be a good test for her to show that she is at least, I don't know. Uh, I it's At the end of the day, Chukagian got t- destroyed by Andrade, got destroyed by Valentina. Not sure how much it would really show me as far as proving that she can win either of those fights with those top two, but... It would at least show me that she's comfortable and capable against a multitude of styles. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense, but either one I'm fine with. With that, the next one, two guys making their UFC debuts here. Phil Halls, Jacob Malkoon. Phil Halls, man. Not a I'm lot a of fans for this. I am a fan. He won me over big time. 18 seconds Good night. it took. Yes. This man's power was incredible. Yes. Uh, put Jacob to sleep, just like Kudaleba went to sleep in yeah. the first fight. Yeah. 18 seconds in, backed uh, Malkoon immediately up to the fence. Malkoon didn't know where to go, and he landed every punch he threw, it seemed like. He didn't yeah. miss. Uh, face planted on the canvas. Phil Hall's 18 seconds. I believe he got post-fight bonus, I think. I don't remember for sure, but either way... 18 seconds in your UFC debut on the main card of UC 254. Again, we told you guys on the preview show, they put this on the main card for a reason over the other prelim fights. Here's why. Now you get this guy that can become a potential star in the future, and now his name's to the masses. We know how many people bought this pay-per-view. It's probably one of the biggest of the year. So shout-out to Phil Halls. This dude is legit. However, he needs more 
fights. Obviously, he's not just going to crack the rankings because of one fight against another guy making his debut. But Jacob was 4-0, training partner of Robert Whitaker. This guy was no slouch, and Phil made it look as easy as he you can. Get, he didn't get touched. He didn't get touched. 18 seconds. Put, book him next month. I'm ready to yeah. see him fight again. He, I, and, I mean, I don't know. I just I really bought into him with this performance, and he he does need more fights before you're talking top 15, obviously, but he does have that experience in bigger promotions. He's fought for Bellator and uh, formerly World Series of Fighting, so he's somewhat tested, but he does need it probably at least – two more I would say before you're talking top 15 mm-hmm. but what a statement and he actually didn't get a performance of the night bonus really yeah they uh, they gave it to Habib and Magomed really I cannot believe Phil Hall I mean I think it might just be because of Malcoon being only 4-0 maybe yeah. it was just yeah I, they probably should have gave him one but you know I'm not gonna not my decision not my place but Man, you have to think like that guy's probably thinking, "What else could I have done to get fifty thousand dollars?" Yeah, know? like that's tough. So we move on to Alexander Volkov and Walt Harris. Uh, man, Walt Harris, it's it's hurting me to that this is his second fight after coming back from the tragic loss of his stepdaughter. Um, he has not been able to get a win. He looked good early in this fight. I mean, especially in his actual figure. Yeah. He looked better in shape. He looked like his um, more stamina to him this time around. But Volkov, being that former Bellator heavyweight champion, being just a tough guy, if you're a guy that's going to stand with him, it's very tough to figure him out because he is a very lengthy, lanky dude, and uh, he does just have a very technical striking style. They both kind of traded for the first round or so, and then second round happened, and Volkov landed that body kick, and Walt was immediately, I don't know if it cracked a rib, if it, it was, hit the liver. It was bad. Uh, yeah. But it was over as soon as he did that. Just a few more strikes on the ground, and it was done. Uh, it's a gutting loss for Walt Harris, but, again, he's going up against top ten guy at heavyweight, a guy who, you know, I know Volkov's had a tough time with his performances against Blades and then that loss to Derek Lewis, but he's still in there. You know, Outside of those two fights, he's looked damn he's good. Looked damn six good. in the two, six in the two, six and two in the UFC now. Uh, he looked solid throughout the fight. He had very crisp, clean striking. The guy's six foot seven. Um, like you kind of mentioned, Walt didn't look bad by any means. No. He just couldn't like get anything going. Right. Um, the first round especially because the fight obviously ended a minute 15 into the second round. But first round, he was there, never was really hurt. The end of the round, there was a little scare, but then he kind of came back to prove he was okay. Um, But he just couldn't get anything going. I wanted him to wrestle. I said that in the preview, um, and he even went for it at the beginning of round two. Uh, Volkov, rightfully so, stopped the takedown, so shout out to him for that. Volkov was just cleaner on the feet, and that bod- that straight body kick he landed, oof, that hurt me watching. Yeah, it was nasty. Um, and it immediately landed, similar to the body shot Andrade landed, except it was with a hook, with uh, Chukagian last week. And I guess there's just a certain spot where you go down and that's it. And Volkov pounced on him for the finish. For Volkov... He's ranked 7th right now. I don't know if they're going to move him or not come Tuesday, but... I do like him versus Rosenstroke. I think that's a really fun fight. I do like that. Um, maybe Actually, Overeem. I was even going to say Dos Santos. Yeah, and those are all guys he has not fought yet, and they're all ranked <laughs> in front of him. Again, Volkov's seven. JDS is six. Overeem's fifth. Rosenstroke's third. There's a lot of uncertainties in this division right now. What the hell is John Jones going to do? Is Stipe healthy? If Stipe is healthy, who's he going to fight? John Jones? Is he going to fight Francis? Francis is frustrated. <gasps> There's just a lot of drama. There's a lot going on with heavyweight right um, now. Needless to say, Volkov's not ready for a title shot yet. Oh, no. However, if he were to go and, like, if he were to fight Rosenstroik and get a big knockout, that could catapult him. But I want to say right now he's still two away. Yeah, I mean, when you have Curtis Blades hanging around yeah. up there who yeah. dominated him, you know, you, you got to wonder how long like he might have a while before he's really knocking at the door for a title shot but that's why I think you do Dos Santos or Overeem now probably Dos Santos because Santos is coming off a loss 
Uh, he wins that. Then maybe you do Rosenstroik, depending on who gets matched up. I still like Rosenstroik and Derek Lewis, I think. Uh, but, yeah, it was a big win for him. Um, it was definitely one he needed coming off that disappointing loss to Blades back at the beginning of the year, I think. For Walt Harris, um, I think he might need a step down here. Yeah, I'm. Uh, we'll I'm thinking. Ahead. I was gonna say, uh, Tibera. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Tibera, or even Cyril Gain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we saw Cyril Gain's fight. He was supposed to fight last week. The fight fell out due to contractual stuff with his opponent. Um, but he's undefeated, six zero, ranked thirteenth. Again, Walt's tenth. I think Tibera makes a ton of sense because Tibera just cracked back into <clears> the rankings. Yeah. For Walt, it's kind of a way to say, all right, hold on. I know I'm on a little skid here, but Tiber is no slouch. I mean, he's fought no, a lot I mean, of great fighters. these are veterans of the UFC. Yeah, so I think that's a good fight. Yeah. Um, could be a good, like, fight night, you know, third fight of the night or even a co-main. It'd be fun. I think it's a decent matchup for Walt Harris. Um, and for Tiber, that's a way for him to be, like, prove his worth and get back to where he once was. Border he used line, to be right around yeah, that number 10. Borderline top 10 if he wins. So, um... Yeah, I mean, that's a good fight to make. Uh, the heavyweight division, again, has so much stuff going on right now, especially it's so top-heavy. We've mentioned yep. this in episodes before. But then if you get outside of that top five, it's really like a toss-up. The problem with heavyweight is there's so much go- there's so much like rumored to be happening, but yet there's not a ton going on. Yeah, <laughs> precisely. It's like the calm before the storm right now. Yeah, and then we're just going to get... And that's mostly due to the uncertainty at the very top. Yeah. Stipe, when's he fighting next? Is he fighting Ngannou? Is he fighting Jones? If he is fighting one of those two, what's that mean for the other one? Who's Is Jones going to fight someone like Blades or Lewis before he gets a title shot? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I saw Francis even tweeted the other day. He's like, I hear Stipe's out till March, so I, I, I really don't know what's going to happen. But uh, I think that is probably the next title fight. So, again, Volkov, I think. Get him in, number six, number five, number three. Let him work his way up there. But he's got the talent, I think, to compete for a title. Again, oh, only 32 years old. It was his birthday at UC 254, yeah, by the way. Yeah. So shout out to Volkov for that big win on his birthday. Yep. We move on to the co-main event here. This was a big one. Pretty much uh, Robert Whitaker made a statement here. Bobby Knuckles 2.0. Yeah, I definitely was um, big on Jared Cannonier coming into this fight and – uh, it was 29-28, but I don't even know if it was quite that close. Cannonier had, you know, he looked good with the, the leg kicks early on, but Whitaker, man, he he, he was looking sharp. He did have uh, a moment towards the very end of the fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he did get put into some danger after a clean shot from Cannonier uh, had him a little wobbly. But, again, Whitaker had spent almost the entire round after – putting Cannoneer on his ass, beating him up. So it, it was a very good fight. And it was a statement for Whitaker as he's looking to kind of get a rematch with Adesanya. And I, you know what? Dana said it. He said it's a huge fight. It's the fight to make. I wasn't completely sold on it. But after that, I, I believe that's probably what's going to be next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't have asked for a better fight. If we're talking... You know, a decision. Again, this was the only decision on the card, and this was a great fight, so I'm not even complaining about it. Um, Robert put on an absolute great performance. The first round was so close. I remember uh, us two and our good friend Tyler, I know he's listening, we were scoring live on verdict, and we're like, who won this first round? Because Cannoneer was landing big, nasty late kicks. But then Robert was landing the head strikes and working the distance, uh, I inevitably ended up just calling it a draw because it was so close. I didn't know who to score it for. But round two, I felt, was when it really started to pull away. Yeah. Whitaker showed his experience, his expertise in picking his shots, controlling the octagon, controlling the range, the distance, bobbing and weaving. Never really got hit in the face until the third round. Yeah. Third round comes out, was on his way to a 10-8. He was looking so well. Cannonier eventually gets up from the ground after getting dropped by that head kick. And then landed something. I don't even know what it was. I but thought it was like a straight left. Yeah, or right. and Rob did that quick little whoop. His, yeah. his legs buckled and real he, quick, and, he was and then still he's still a little wobbly. But Cannoneer uh, was 
hurt still. Yeah, so. yeah. And just not enough time for Cannoneer. Robert was able to just get the clinch. He's a veteran, knew what to do to stay. It was an awesome uh, round, though. Yeah, it was a great third round. Very good. Great fight. Again, 29-28 on all three scorecards. I want to give both compliments to Cannoneer here, but also, like, criticism, I guess. Like, as if I'm worthy of giving that to him. <laughs> but I definitely think that Cannoneer probably should have been more aggressive. I think that's what people thought was going to happen. Yeah, I, I thought... You know, Whitaker at, with the Darren Till fight had showed a newfound sense of patience in the octagon. He had shown that he's not just going to go in there and go to war necessarily. Not, I don't know. I, I feel like that's not the right wording there, but I, I he, think he, he did he just had learn a, to be more patient, yeah, though. It, because I think he's just with the Adesanya fight, he had proven he'd get a little yeah. overzealous. Yeah. And, uh, get a little too like antsy. To, well, even in the fights with Romero, we've seen yeah, him get into trouble second, in both that fights. That second one, man, so. he was nearly finished. He just looks a lot more calm, smarter, more patient. Yeah. Um, so I thought Cannoneer should have tried to be a little more aggressive because mm-hmm. I thought he kind of just fought Whitaker's fight. And the leg kicks were working very well for him, but it wasn't enough to really have a lasting impact or to even win him around in my opinion clearly win him around I guess mm-hmm. and technically the judges gave him the first um, but what I will give him credit for is when he was dropped in the third he was hurt yeah he was nearly out that combo that Rob set up was absolutely beautiful I mean he looked bad yeah and Cannoneer was able to stay alive just barely and then even almost drop yeah. Whitaker at the very end. Uh, so he, he did show me some things that, like, I don't think he's quite done. I mean, he is an older guy in the division. He's 36. But. I got a fight to, for him that's really. There's two There's two or three that stick out to me for him. There's two that are probably more obvious. One being Paulo Costa. Oh. Because what a fight that would be, right? That's, that's an obvious one, I think. Another one that's probably more obvious is Yoel Romero. Again, another fight that hasn't happened. I don't know where Yoel is. I don't know what of, he's doing. You know how Yoel is. He's, <laughs> he's a, but Yoel is a guy that doesn't have a ton of time left. Another one that could be interesting is uh, Derek Brunson. Yeah, I just scrolled down. Yeah. I, I do like that. Um, again, these are three guys that... Like, I know Derek Brunson's a little lower, but Brunson had the biggest win of his career just a couple months ago against Shabazz. And I think he really has earned his – he's paid his dues. Um, He's been in there with the best. Never quite gotten it done to be at the top five. But now it's like give him that one last chance, and I think Cannoneer would be a good start I think it's a great style matchup too. Oh, yeah. Brunson is a grappler, but he also has shown that he will stand. Yeah, 100%. And he is more than capable of hanging on the feet. Yes. Has had some suspect chin moments, which is what leads to this being a fight that could be really exciting. But um, Cannoneer, you know, he he's going to have to go back down, kind of find a ma- you know, I don't know if Costa's kind of doing some weird stuff with wanting a rematch with Adesanya. I don't know when we'll see Costa fight again. I don't know when we'll see Yoel fight again. Brunson's the one that seems to be really looking for a matchup right now. And if Cannoneer's looking to get back in there soon, I think you could be seeing these two matched up for early next year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think all three of those are great options. Uh, at first, I was like, yeah, it's got to be Costa. That fight's yeah. amazing. Two versus three, both coming off losses. I do really like him and Brunson, though. Just more so for Brunson because I want him to get that one more freaking yeah. chance. Right. Um, and it, stylistically, it's interesting. Grappler, striker. But like you said, Brunson can hang on the feet. Jared's no slouch on the ground. He just has a lot of power, so he doesn't wrestle that often. That's a really fun one. I'm going to kind of bump that to number one. Yeah. On my list. And I think it just makes sense because I think, like, even if Jared were to beat Paulo, then it's not like, well, he still doesn't deserve a title. But if he goes and beats Brunson, then beats, like, Costa or winner of Hermanson Till or whatever it may be, then it's like, oh, two-fight win streak. Now you can get it. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, so I think true. that kind of plays out better for him. Uh, so I really like the Brunson idea. And for Bobby Knuckles, uh, it's, it's title shot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I – and. You know I was not completely sold yeah. on that going into this. I thought Cannoneer was the only one who truly would have a title shot if he won. 
But Whitaker proved a lot to me. Again, this is back-to-back -back performances of him just looking very crisp, even when he kind of had that moment in the third where he, where things got a little hazy. But yeah. um, all in all, very good performance, very good fight. Yeah, I'd have to imagine. I'm just going to spitball here. It's been about a year. It was last October when yeah. him and Israel fought. Since then, Izzy's defended the belt uh, two times. Roberts won two times. I'm, I'm imagining this wouldn't happen at all this year. I'm going to go like March of 21, yeah. maybe. Um, hopefully, they can do it again in Australia somewhere. Again, it's yeah, all yeah, here right all, now. That fight is huge for that region, and Dana kind of even said that. Um, and it, I just think it's justified. And they're two superstars. Everybody loves Robert. I don't think anybody yeah. hates uh, him. And for Izzy, people love him, people hate him, but you can't deny he's a superstar. Right. Uh, and if you put good fights on long, that is the main event. Oh, damn. Well, here's a question I'll ask you. Do you Have you seen anything from Robert in these last two performances that shows that that fight with Adesanya would go any different than the first I think one? it's the patience. I think, I think he just learned. He got caught multiple times against Izzy. He got I mean, dropped was, in the first round. It was round. a very tough loss. Yeah. Um, so I think he just went back to the drawing board. He, I think the biggest thing... And he's even said this. He was burnt out. Yeah. And this is a guy that, again, I've talked about this all the time. He's only 29. Again, you always like to say the fight years versus actual years. But he just took a mental break. And it has showed to pay off so far. So I think with clarity, a clear head, what is it, uh, full eyes? Or clear, clear eyes, eyes, full heart, heart can't, can't lose type yeah. uh, Friday Night Lights. I just think it's the patience that sticks out to me the most. And we know how great of a striker Israel is, I think we could have a very, very good, potentially even a five-round bout the second go-around. Because yeah, Israel adapts and learns every fight. Robert has shown to change his, not change his style, but just the his pacing and I think his he, shots. I, I think I said this. He kind of matches his opponent's energy better in these yeah, last two fights. Yeah. With Adesanya, Israel was very patient. Robert was he just aggressive. To, yeah, which yeah. I'm not saying can't work out, but without Asanya being you, a guy who you can't just bull yeah. rush in there. So now that that's known, you see him against Darren Till. Darren Till, very patient guy. Whitaker matched that energy. Cannonier, more aggressive. However, he got Robert was able to kind of manip. I don't want to say manipulate, but he kind of worked his way into having Cannonier fight his fight. Yeah, and, and due to the patience and the way uh, controlling the entire fight, the pace, dropped Darren Till, I believe multiple <clears throat> times, and dropped Cannonier. Well, so in both fights, I, he's showing he's dangerous. And I will say, like, once the fight got to the end of the second and then the third round, I mean, Whitaker was aggressive at times. Yeah. He was throwing good shots the whole time. That jab was... Oh, his jab was pretty. pretty. It was dotting up Jared's eye real bad. Yeah. Rob looks really good. I think that's obviously the fight, and I think it's still a massive fight. And, yeah. again, like I said, if you Matt put that as a main event with a great undercard, oh, whew. it makes me excited. Yeah, you yeah. Know. Now it's time to talk about the main event. <sighs> Habib Nurmagomedov is now and forever. 29-0 <laughs> <laughs> after Eagle. just... Wow. He's... A performance of a lifetime against Justin Gaethje, who had to, was the the obvious number one contender. I just want to say, this is still my fight of the night. Yeah, the, the so first it, round. Was... It, it did not go how I thought it would. Obviously, my prediction was a five-round war. I thought Justin would hurt Habib multiple times, maybe, maybe even drop him. But I thought Habib was going to have that, that champion... Uh, what do you call it? Like the champion heart. Yeah, the mentality. To, yeah, to just, just keep going. This first round was absolute insanity. It was. Um, I have never seen someone put the pressure that Habib put on Gaethje in that round. The pace and pressure that Habib presented Gaethje as a spectator watching from a couch on a TV. I literally felt anxious watching it. It was so uncomfortable. I can't imagine being Justin Gaethje. Well, I can't imagine. Well, you have to think also, Justin being a guy that's known for his power. Yeah. Habib was... You know, he did not a lot, care. A lot of times you hear about you know a fighter walking down someone. 
Habib was running down. It was insane. He was really like chasing him, and Justin would throw like a clean shot. He would get. He got hit. He got hit with a really good Habib, left hook. And I don't want like Habib obviously has a ton of respect for Justin, but the he showed no uh, worry about Justin's. The, the more I look back on it now, I'm just like, damn, he really knew it was his last fight because he was just going for it, man. He, did not he was going to put on a show. This was the guy that. For that I, like, considering he was 28 no, you know, at the time of the fight, we thought, all right, he's going to try to finish 30 and 0. Like, for a lot of guys, when you don't have a loss on your record, and it, especially now that it was his retirement fight, you would think maybe he would play it safe. Mm-hmm. That was anything but. No, he did not care. He was ready to go on on his shield. That's what Gaethje's known for, but so Habib wild. was like, screw this, and I'm going. Gaethje showed some things. Yeah. When I look back on it, at the time I was like, God, what a one-sided, but it wasn't really one-sided. I mean, Justin landed clean. Early on, he did show good takedown defense. He was yeah. staying low. He did exactly what he wanted, stayed away from the fence. Yeah, and he was keeping good distance, yep. but Habib it's just. Habib is Habib. And after that first round, Gaethje did already look like he was. He just looked like overwhelmed. Winded. Yeah, and then um, second round happens, and I, it was one of the most amazing takedown slash transitions I've ever seen ever. Whenever people tell me how Habib, either Habib is boring or that grappling is boring, go show watch them that. that. Yeah, that was the cleanest transition like <laughs> I've ever seen. He literally dives for the takedown, immediately gets his back, immediately turns it into. Pulled guard. Yeah. We got to see Habib on his back for the first time ever. Yeah. And let me tell you, he's damn good there, too. Because guess what? That's a risky proposition. Yeah. If Gaethje gets out of that submission. Now you got Gaethje on top. He knew exactly what he wanted to do. He put himself in bottom guard two times in this fight. <clears throat> One time in the first round, he had an arm bar locked in, should yeah. I say, yeah. at the end of the first round. But the round ended. Habib didn't want no rear naked. We talked about this on the way home yeah. Saturday. He went for the armbar first round, didn't get it because the round ended. Second round, he had full mount and chose to pull guard instead and lock in a triangle just to do something different. That's how good he is. He had full mount. And he's like, eh, let me try this. And then he put Gaethje to sleep. The moment that submission was locked in, Gaethje was done. Yeah, Gaethje, um, he went for the slam. That was going to be his only way out. But Habib locked his oh, arm. Yep. Under Gaethje's legs so that Gaethje couldn't lift him. And as soon as that happened, Gaethje knew. Yeah. And I, Herzog was the referee. Jason Herzog is one of the best in the business. But Justin tapped many, many times, and he missed it, which led to Justin getting put to sleep. So you hate to see that. Well, it was – when you saw the replay, I was like, okay, that he's trying to tap. Like he would like do it like a couple times. Yeah. And then it was like – I could tell he was going in and out. Yeah. I don't know what Herzog was seeing um, there, but I can see why it's like you might err on the, the side yeah. of like. It was a right. big fight. I, I don't want to. I'm not again. I'm not talking bad about him. I hate to see that, but he was up awake afterwards, so that's good. And then you see Habib overcome with emotion, <sighs> and Justin, who had just been put to sleep, comes to and goes over and immediately hugs him. Um, he said after in his post-fight backstage interviews, he said, "I just went up and said." I never got the chance to tell him how sorry I am about your dad. So he went up and told him sorry while Habib was in the middle of the octagon and then just said how proud that he just made his father. I was just overcome with emotion the entire... Yeah, was, once the fight ended until um, he until, left the octagon. Until right now. <laughs> we, yeah, until right now. Um, I remember <coughs> sitting on the couch and they were getting ready to do the post-fight like in the octagon interview with Habib. And he was taking his gloves off. And I remember looking at you and I said, Noah, is he about to retire? And, and I was like, no, I don't think so. I'm like, Noah, he's he's taking his gloves off. Because I was like, I've seen that before. I'm <laughs> like, I know that that's like a, like a simple, yeah, yeah. symbolic thing. But I was like, I don't think so. I'm pretty sure he has one more left. Yeah. And then, and then they ask him, like, what are your thoughts on the fight? And he goes. He really just gave a speech. Yeah. And, and, he, uh, and he started by saying, I, I realized early on when I took this fight, you know, after the passing of my father, he's like, I knew this was going to be my last one. Yeah, he said, if, if my father can't be here, I'm not doing this. He yeah. said his mother didn't even want him to take this fight, but it was kind of just in the works already so yeah. much that he's like, he promised his mother, this is it. One fight, 
and then I'm done. And he said, I gave her my word. I can't go back on it. Laid the gloves down. We truly are losing one of the best of all time. Yeah, I just want to, I did a little wholesome tweet, and I just wanted to read it out yeah. here because I didn't remember it word for word. But I just said, uh, and this was quote tweeting, they posted the picture of Habib in the middle of the octagon just letting it all out. And this is a guy that we just thought is immortal, you know? like, And to see a guy like this show his emotions really, really hit home. And so, I, you know, I just said, uh, this feels like one of those once-in-a-generation athletes uh, that was not appreciated by enough people until this moment, and I was one of them. Uh, I'm just going to be honest. I realized how great he was, and I enjoyed watching him. I wasn't the type of person that were to call him boring or anything, but it's almost, I guess, I took it for granted. And then he retires, and you're just like, oh, shit. Um, so he's an absolute legend of the UFC and mixed martial arts in general, and it's it's not even deniable. Like it is undeniable. He is he was on our top ten list way back when. He's easily top five. Yeah, I was gonna say I right think now. the top five is clear. Um, Twenty nine and zero. I mean, it's it's unprecedented. Yeah, I can't say enough about him. What did it grade it? person ambassador for the sport one little hiccup and that was just because he got overcome with emotion after the connor fight and that was rightfully so you know a lot of bad blood but just what a great person i know he made his father proud and golly man that was just he he looked absolutely dominant and for him this is his retirement on the other end of this equation you got justin gaethje and more than just do we have good justin gaethje we've got a belt a belt that is up for grabs. We have an empty throne. Now, we are going to be doing a big episode on yeah. this on Wednesday. So I think we kind of just segue into yeah. telling so I, about uh, it. Ultimately, we're not going to quite match make here because Wednesday is going to be our episode for that. <laughs> Wednesday is going to be a rough so one. So, <laughs> we'll go ahead. We'll close the book. On UFC 254, what a, not, what a afternoon it was. Yeah. Let me just say... The 2 p.m. pay-per-views, I'm not opposed to them, but damn, my whole day is just thrown off. I woke up, and I'm like, oh, I got a shower, I got to eat, and then yeah. there's fights on. And then we get home, and it's only 5.30, and I'm like, uh, what am I going to do the just rest think, of the night? Just think about how, I mean, five of these six fights were done Four of them by first round, I think, or three of them by first round, two of them by the second. Yeah, something like that. Like one, there was one decision on the whole main card. Yeah, I. They were done so quick. We yeah, it was insane. We never saw a third round outside of the Whitaker and Cannonier fight. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Whew. What a afternoon it was. I'm um, I'm gonna miss Fight Island. Yeah, I'm gonna miss it. I, I, I know they're gonna go back. It's become a staple. But yeah, it's here to stay. I believe. Yeah. Incredible day of fights, um, and the fact that it's capped off with a, you know, I did say that I thought this would be the fight that would be the most, um, like whenever we, you know, Habib is as the years go on and you know he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame, there's always that one fight right for each guy that's like most synonymous with them. Connor was the one that sold the most, but this fight with Gaethje, I think, is going to be the one that everybody. It's the biggest takeaway. Yeah, I mean, all three of his title defenses finishes, all submissions, one first one in the fourth round, second defense against <clears throat> Dustin in the third round, last defense against Justin Gaethje, second round. Got quicker each time. He got better every fight. He went out in his prime, but I can't hate on him for it. Yeah. It's smart, and he's on to bigger and better it's, things. It's an I'm honorable sure. reason. Yes, yeah. But for the rest of the week... Wednesday, we are doing our second episode of our series, Who's Next? Yes. Now, normally, when we do this, we, would, little we, spinner would, wheel. we would do a little <laughs> spinner wheel, randomize it, uh, have a division picked for us like we did in our first one. First light, one was light heavyweight. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then we will go through from 15 to 1 and ultimately the champion. You and just match make. Match make. However, with 
this being so fresh and in our minds, I, I just knew we needed to do an episode. Yeah, I'm glad you recommended yeah. this. <laughs> so we're going to do that for the lightweight division. And I think that this is going to be a great episode that you won't want to miss. You're going to yes. get all more in-depth thoughts on the landscape of the division, how we think, who should be fighting for the belt next, Yeah. who should be, like, how are we going to do it? You got guys, you got a guy who's not ranked named Michael Chandler who's still in the equation. Yeah. So it's... Um, it's going to be a very it, fun episode. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm very excited to do that one. Um, Friday, it's time for our next card. UFC Vegas 12? I think we left off at 11. Yeah. Don't quote me on it, but we tell are seeing, who's back. We are seeing another legend of the sport back and also retiring yeah. as Dominic's favorite fighter of this all time. This is going to hurt. Anderson Silva, in his last fight, he is main eventing against a dangerous man named Uriah Hall. I'm, I'm going to be, my heart's going to be beaten for yeah. that one. You know how Habib smash? Well, <clears throat> the UFC smashing my feelings right now. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm hurting from Habib. Then six days from the day we're recording this, Anderson's going to be done. I, yeah. I, uh, anyway, it's but, a really good card. Yeah. The whole card is freaking... So that'll be coming to you yeah. guys on Friday. But for now, Dom, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Twitter, Instagram. Decently 14 podcast Twitter and Instagram at B A J underscore MMA podcast. And for me, if you go to my Twitter, Instagram bio at NT Baker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which will provide you with links to every social media we're on and all the platforms. The podcast is on including Instagram, Twitter, anchor, YouTube, Spotify, google apple and there's even a link on there if you want to become a supporter of the podcast just give it us however much money you would like to per month and all that money goes back into improving the audio equipment we use or even down the line doing a video podcast so of course we appreciate all the contributions you guys made by just listening especially today when my voice is fucked (laughs) but again you can find all that if you go to my twitter or instagram bio at nt baker underscore but with that We're out, and we're going to see y'all on Wednesday.